The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joys of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Challengers, our game of the week, discuss starting your own game night in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with our high five bang for your buck games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed Dr. Michael McCabe. What's happening, Doug? Great to be here. Yeah. God, we got a lot of... I, You know, every time I start to prep these episodes and I kind of get in there and I'm thinking, oh, okay, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then all of a sudden it just kind of starts rippling out. Yeah. I, at the beginning, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to have much to talk about or things like that. And then I just keep taking notes and then those notes get longer and so longer. So is it a tree with a lot of branches or is it a giant hole in the ground that becomes a cave with different tunnels? What, <laughs> how do you how do you see this I, visual of podcast preparation for the I, Game Schooler podcast? I think that's up for <laughs> up to our dear <laughs> listeners to, to, to decide whether this is a deep long hole that they can't claw out of or one with many uh, delectable branches. branches. Yeah. All right. So uh, I've got a little bit of follow-up. Bring it. Um, from last week that then will kind of lead into some things that are that are awesome about gaming. The first one is last week's episode, we talked about uh, the email we got from Matt about some new games, yep. right, that he was trying out. And he followed back up with me and gave me a, a reminder that we can, should kind of throw this out a little bit, which is he wanted to know some places online to get games Great. that are uh, outside of Amazon and things like that. Of course, there's Noble Knight, which we talk about. Which country? Which country of origin? I'm just going to shoot for the U.S. on okay. this one. Okay. It's going to be my guesstimate, but... Um, Matt's from the United States of America? I'm assuming. Okay, okay. go not, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I'm that, just, just following along with you. These recommendations, well, I'm sure a lot of these places ship internationally. So Yeah, um, you go and then I'll chime in. So we have Noble Knight, which we talk about quite a bit on the show. Do we currently still have a coupon we do, code We do, we do. Through the month of May, the coupon code 10% off. They also have a sale going on right now, so I don't know if you can stack those, but give it a try. Our code is SCHOOLER23 at checkout. That's Schooler, S-C-H-O-O-L-E-R, the number's 2-3 at checkout. All right. At noblenight.com. Are you going to yep. keep going with good online stores that yep. have treated us right in the past? Uh, so Game Nerds is another one. They're that fantastic. has some uh, great pricing. If you are near the Midwest, Miniature Market, which I think is based out of St. Louis, yep. uh, miniaturemarket.com is another one. And then Cool Stuff, Inc. is another one that I've purchased you, stuff you from, in the past. from in the past. Yeah. So those are four uh, online stores that if you want to stay away from Amazon, and Michael's I, got I, another one. I have one. It's actually in Canada, Board Game Bliss. They don't ship to the United States for free until you have two hundred and twenty-five dollars. I think it's like a ten-dollar flat that, rate, but you but, can you can buy and then put it on hold, and then once you hit that two hundred twenty-five, they'll send it free. But here, here's but why. But if that's Canadian dollars, it's really only like ten U.S. dollars <laughs> to get free shipping. Here's what I like about Board Game Bliss: they sometimes get 
not sometimes, they get a lot of games right off of Kickstarter, and you get them at a decent price. They also get harder to find you know, card games. The good Dr. Reiner Knizia, a lot of, that's how I stumbled <laughs> into board game releases. Yeah, right? yeah, games that come out in Korea or come out in Germany, um, you, you know, that don't necessarily hit the U.S. market. So that that's another store that I've bought from in the past. And had really good luck, great customer service with all those stores that you've listed. Yeah. Um, and a somewhat follow-up to last week, here's uh, something that's going to transition to what's awesome in gaming, is over the past couple of weeks, last week we talked about our games that surprised us, you know, when we played them. That was our high five last week. Surprise! And I, <laughs> I need to save that for a text like a text alert whenever you text me, it'll say that. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to pull somebody, pull that Surprise. out for me and put that in the Discord server. You're our um, editor. <laughs> Way to delegate, Doug. <laughs> well, that's what the bosses do, I guess. Um, but I, one of the things is awesome in this hobby is that I'm still being surprised. Yeah. There are still games that I play and you're just like, oh, that was really good. Or, even if it's not necessarily even the full game, but moments. We've been playing through the role-player adventures, and there's stuff that comes up, and it's surprising and delightful and fun and just a great hobby to be in. And I'm glad that, you know, after 10, 11 years of, of playing board games and filling up an entire room of board games, that I'm still surprised yeah, um, somewhat regularly. No, absolutely. I, I have a quick story if I can jump in, if that's sure. all right. I talked last week, and I, I threw a picture up. It might have been two weeks ago on our Discord when I got a game called Darwin's Journey, which is a complexity of 3.82 out of 5. So it's it's off the game schooler scale by a good point <laughs> and a half. Um, and it took a week to punch it out. I took another week to learn the rules. Well, this was the week where I was going to sit down and play it. And for folks who don't know me personally, when I get my mind set on something, I typically take a task all the way to completion. And so last night was my night where I knew I had an hour, but I only had an hour to sit down and play Darwin's Journey. And my oldest, uh, who's 14 currently, oldest daughter, wanted to play Nerds. And this is just a classic card game. Everybody has their own deck of cards, and I've talked about it the last few weeks. And I did the kind of pouty, but but it's my time to play Darwin's Journey. And then I just realized, like, no, my kid wants to play a game. My wife wants to play a game. We sat down. We played for an hour. Played for an hour straight, just back to back to back, because I kept winning, and nobody could tolerate that. You know, and I, I'm running my <laughs> mouth. Yeah, I like it. But then the cool thing on the way uh, to, to doing school drop-off this morning, we were talking about nerds because I, I said, you know, I log our plays. We've got 17 <laughs> games played in the last so many days. And and uh, Josie said, yeah, it's almost becoming a part of our daily routine. Like after dinner, sit down and play cards. And I just thought, that that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and in that way, the hobby helps me to kind of prioritize others instead of self because yeah i wanted to go down to the basement and play a game all by myself so i can learn the mechanics and see how the rules work and actually you know do all this put put the hard work in action and then it was like no the game will still be there i can 
play in two or three days. Well, the rules better not go out of my well, head here, that quickly. That's what I was going to so. say. There's a little silver lining in here is you got like another two weeks of relearning and getting prepped up again for the game. Yeah. So this game just keeps providing more and more content for you. When we talk about new and experienced gamers, I, I'm I, I covering that realm right there. <laughs> and a, a card game from 1932, a game that... And I am enjoying uh, going through. I'm almost through the first round of. There's five <laughs> okay. rounds in the game. Yeah, going right. to do the reward phase well, when I get home. You check back in with us in August. <laughs> I when will that's let you know. <laughs> that's done. Probably trade the game by then. All right. So here's when you know you have a problem. I had a dream the other night. Oh boy. And uh, I was in a store, <laughs> and my dreams consist of finding good deals on oh, clearance. Doug. And so which I, store were you in? Uh, both of us were actually in there. And right as I was grabbing and excited, it was either a Barnes and Noble or a local store. And I had picked up the hare and the tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> and it was three dollars. It was amazing. Did I tackle you or drop an elbow or no, send you were, my seven-year-old at you? You were excited because they had <laughs> three little pigs in that same ah, series for yeah. three dollars. So you came running over and you said, "Doug, look at this! Look at this!" And I go, "Hey, look at this! What I found!" And then I gave it to you. And then you're like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then as you're walking away, in my dream, I'm thinking. Wait, that's like $200 on Noble Knight right now. <laughs> I could have flipped it. And then I'm like, ah, it's going to a good home. He won't sell it. <laughs> so, so, so when that starts creeping into your dream life, um, yeah. maybe I got a problem. Yeah. Whether it's my sub, self uh, subconscious mind telling me, I need to acquire more games because I haven't acquired anything recently. I think you're just overtly virtue signaling to our listeners about how good of a human you are because even in your dream, you gave you gifted the game to me. So thank you, Doug, for being such a good person. Right, what a friend, huh? No. Have you acquired anything lately? We haven't talked about no. that. No. No, I, like absolutely nothing. I picked up a sweet trade. I got it today, and it was actually the version that I liked. I got Sheriff of Nottingham in a trade today. It was I'm ecstatic to play that. Family likes it. It was a game school recommended game, I do believe. Um, possibly? Maybe? I'll have to mm. look at that. Not yet. Mm. Um, but pick that up in a trade, and then just continue to play Celestia and as well as the the other card game that I talked about, but with my seven year old uh, game that we've talked about recently as well. So that's all I have on my notes. All right. Well, uh, just a reminder to spread the word about the co- podcast if you like what we're doing. Podcast. Yeah, that thing too. Um, we would really appreciate that. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to jump on to the Discord server. Uh, some good activity going on there as our community continues to engage with each other. And if you have questions or comments, you can also email us, email at gameschooler.com. Again, email at gameschooler.com. Don't wrap that yet. Sheriff is in two weeks. So oh. look at the timing on that. We've got yeah. challengers today, what long shot the dice game next week, and then Sheriff from Nottingham. Man, we got some great episodes coming up. All right, let's move on to this week's Game of the Week. The Game of the Week. The Game of the Week is an in-depth look at a family-friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Challengers. Doug, 
Give us the stats. I like how that went from announcer mode into I was trying to mystery be different things theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying. I think it's the role player adventures coming <laughs> in a world. In a world. Uh, this was Challengers, published in 2022. So it is a new game published by Z-Man Games. The designers are Johan Krenner and Marcus Slawichek. Slow, uh, Good try, Doug. Slawichek. Uh, the art is by Jeff Harvey. And the player count, one to eight players, 45 minutes, ages eight plus on the box, eight plus on Board Game Geek. I would probably go a little higher Trend than Trend slightly that. higher than that. Um, the complexity is a 1.83 out of five. Challengers is an interactive deck management game for one to eight players that plays in about 45 minutes, independent of player count. With a tournament gameplay style, you meet another opponent every round. In the deck phase, you choose new members of your team and add them to your deck, which might consist of wizards, aliens, cats, gangsters, krakens. There are 75 distinct characters with more than 40 exciting effects to create unique experiences for every game. You choose from six different sets and discover new strategies and synergies every game. During the game, uh, you're going to acquire the cards in that deck phase, and then you go into a match phase, uh, which is basically capture the flag. You're trying to keep the flag in your possession, uh, and in or- if you do that at the end of the round, you are going to win a trophy for that round. Uh, and you try and get the most fans and trophies, which are points, over the course of seven rounds to be able to qualify for the final round, which is the the two highest point-getters will go uh, for one final battle against each other. On the championship field. Um, and if you can best your opponent in the final, you win challengers. Yeah. So it is a deck-building, kind of constructing type of thing. It's not one of those where you're going to be... Um, uh, acquiring new cards and then shuffling them and then taking a hand of five and playing them and then discarding uh, you, those. This essentially plays out once you've built your deck, you shuffle it and it plays very similar to war uh, type of a, a, the, the card game where you are going to shuffle your deck and flip over a card and you're going to flip over cards until the value of the cards that you have played until out. Until that card gets beaten by your opponent's card. Or you beat your opponent yeah. and, and then you capture the flag and then your opponent will then be revealing cards from their deck to try and capture the flag back. At the end of the round, when somebody either uh, they have bench seats, so as uh, as you acquire a flag from your opponent, your opponent's players are going to go onto their bench. Um, if the character matches, so for example, uh, uh, there are champions. Uh, I'm just trying to think of what some of these generic ones that you start with are. Uh, so you might have newcomers. A newcomer is worth one value, uh, one point. So if I put a newcomer out, and if Doug flips over a, a card that a dog that or, has, a or va- even oh. just another newcomer, yes. right? If it, yes. if it's even or higher, then then my newcomer would go to one of the six spots on the bench, and if if my bench is full. I lose. So yeah. that's one of the, the win-loss conditions of the round. But the interesting thing is as n- many newcomers as I have only take up one bench space. Yeah. So as I keep adding newcomers to my bench, they're only going to sit in that one spot. I, so Thematically, I don't understand that. And I'm not usually one who picks that theme. Are they just um, <laughs> stacking uh, vertically? How does this work here? Do they? 
I don't know. I'm curious if the the thematic element would be that they are all the same person. Okay. As opposed to it's like your newcomer comes back and yeah. captures the flag or Maybe something. Maybe we're just looking too deeply yeah, prob- into an prob- awesome prob- game. Probably. So the two ways to to lose are to run out of cards or have a full bench and you can no longer place anyone on there. Um, at the start of the game, everybody's going to get a card. It's going to tell you who your opponent is going to be and what field you're going to be playing at. There's four fields in the game, uh, and they are neoprene mats that you're going to lay down and you'll move from spot to spot. And that's where the ability for eight players to play this game is that there are four fields, two people at each field. So you could have four simultaneously games, four games simultaneously going on. Or four games could be happening at the same time. Yes, that's another way to word that. Thank you. Um, and so it just kind of keeps moving around like that and a little yeah. bit of a round robin type. And at the tournament. end of the seventh round, I mean, whoever, yeah, add up your trophies and your fans and person with the most wins. Now, one of the cool things in this game is that if you are playing with an odd number of players, there is a robot deck that plays. It's pretty awesome. And it es- escalates and, and, uh, becomes more powerful as the game goes on. So, as you're acquiring more cards and making your deck more powerful, the robot deck is getting more powerful as well. And it's simply based on the fact that there are some uh, robots in that deck that their value is equal to the round number that you are in. Yeah. So in round one, they're only worth one point. Um, but in the seventh round, each one of those has an attack value of seven. So uh, they can really do some damage, and they're building up. It works so smooth. They all smooth. do, or there are seven that are included in there? I haven't played with the robots in a while. They're the um, – there's a couple of them. There's like okay. three or four of them in the deck. Yeah, in, that, that's right. In the so robot they get, deck. they get shuffled in, and that's part of the fun and the surprise is if you're – this game, it's fun to play as the AI bot. That's something that is a ton of fun to flip those up. It's almost like I'm competing against somebody else with the robot deck. Yeah. And I think that's a really smart feature of the game that I didn't think I would enjoy as much as I actually do. And that is really a theme for me with Challengers. I heard this game described a lot. I heard a lot of different podcasts and content creators talk about it. And I I was kind of lukewarm coming into the game. And we Mm. played this game in very early February and man, right away, I wanted to play it again and play yeah. it again. It is different. It is exciting. Uh, building my deck before the round and then heading into the round is such a fun decision. I'm gearing up for a, a battle, but it's not a orc goblin going to hit you with a sword battle. No, we're, we're going to do capture the flag. Yeah. The other thing that the, the decision that I really enjoy making is when to remove a card. Because some of those newcomers, I can start to cull. And in between rounds, I can get rid of them. And 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 the, the, the risk with that, if I ever run out of cards, that's the other loss condition. So yeah. knowing how many cards to take into the battle. Uh, so there's just some fun, unique elements that are happening in this game that are, are mechanically, they're a little bit different than other games I've played, and thematically, they work. And I got to tell you, Doug, I love this trend with the neoprene mats. Mm-hmm. Um, just rolling the mat out onto the 
onto the table. It, it, as it's long nice. as it fits in the box. Yeah. I think that's yeah, a big that, thing. That's, like, that's your thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I like a, I like thing. some neoprene mats, but I also don't need yeah, I, five I, different boxes I have boxes a small of corner them. of them now. Yeah. So like this and Flamecraft, the, yep. the, the mat is in the box. I'm all on board with that. Uh, once you start getting the the replacing a, a full board, and I gotta have, you know, closet space to fit all my mats. What what do you like about the game? Well, I want to get something out of the way first, and it's oh, I, this is where you tell us what you don't like, or go ahead, get get it, out. Of, what's on your mind, Doug? Here is something to be aware of: is that serious gamers may be turned off by the randomness of this game. I gotta say it. I mean, I want to put it out there. I'm I'm not gonna lie to our our listeners. I love it. I'm a huge fan of the fact that this game has that in there. Um, Doug, we played this game with somebody that we, when we brought in to do a high five, their games were like 4.73 out of five on the complexity scale. One of his games involved doing actual physics, and he enjoyed it. So, so, I, I would, so are tell, you saying I should not tell this to our listeners? No, I want to know more about that. <laughs> is this what you're hearing from other people? Have, is this a yes. thought that you've had? Yes, or? I have heard this from other reviewers okay. that are upset and don't like and feel like they're just it, it just random and they're just going through motions. Yeah. I disagree with that, but I feel like we need to address that. that you, yeah. People have come away with that conclusion. I think the choices are to be made in building the deck, and I love building the deck and seeing how yeah. it randomly plays out. To me, that is fun. Building my team is fun. I think this game is innovative. I, I think the takeaway is fun. This is a fun game. Yeah, It's not designed for serious, hardcore gamers. That is not the audience for this game. Yeah. So don't get into this game thinking that you're going to get a deck builder that is dominion or clank or something where you're building and culling and optimizing there's a little of that but it's not you don't have the same level of control yeah that's not the essence of the game no yeah and so i want people to know that up front this is i mean there is a level of randomness in every deck builder even if you're drawing a hand of five you don't know what you're going to draw this one you can build your deck you don't know the order I have had teams that if they come out in the right order, they're unstoppable. Yeah. And sometimes they don't come out that way. But you know what? The game is still fun. Um, This game has drama. There are story arcs that happen in this game. For the runtime, now I have not played this with more than five players, maybe. Okay. Uh, So I can't attest to the runtime. However... I do think that me personally, this game will run longer than 45 minutes because I like watching every showdown. Yeah, you're watching every match. I want to do that. I think that's fun. I think it's cool to root and cheer on and see how everything unfolds. I think it's a... One of the few games where while you're playing, spectating the other players is enjoyable. Yeah. So, yes, you can play this game where you have eight people and everybody goes to their spots and they run through all their stuff simultaneously, move to the next spot, and do all that. To me, some of the drama and fun would creep out of the game. Sure. And I don't think I would ever play that way. Okay. Um, 
I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, yeah, I in terms of runtime or how people play, I could see playing both. It, time is a constraint. So I think we, anytime I've played this game with you, we've had the privilege of just playing until the, the game's done. We're playing for fun. I nearly bought this to take it into board game club. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced I could teach it and play it in one hour and then bring it back and it would get played week after week after week after week. And that is in a 45 to 50 minute time span. It's an hour, but not after people transition and get in and get to a table and get a game. So I do feel fairly confident that this game can be a 30 to 45 minute game um, in the in the right setting. Could it take north and, and go run all the way up to an hour if you had four, five, six people and you're watching every match? Absolutely. But that means you're having fun playing the game. Yeah, and, and I, the 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 one thing that I just wanted to touch on too to to circle back to that serious gamer, the decision that I enjoy making in between rounds, you get a choice of which cards you can pick from, and so there's an A deck, a B deck, and a C deck, and that C deck is loaded with very powerful and strong cards. The A deck, not so much. The B deck is a little bit better than the A deck, but you get a choice of like, okay, I get to take three from the A or two from the B. or um, And so you get to choose the number of cards that you're taking. And that is the decision. I know it sounds very simple, but you can chain together different abilities. I was looking through the rules to see how many there are. There's seven or eight different suits. I think they uh, said six different sets. Six different sets that chain together. And I really enjoy building the deck throughout that little game and going round around. And and in the first round and second round, man, I got smoked, but I like what I'm building here. And I think I'm just one or two more cards away from having an unstoppable deck because you can see what other people are doing as well. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up when you did in the show because to me this this is a winner with teenagers this is a winner at a game night this is a winner with families but yeah if you're in a a heavy euro game group where you play four hour euros or war games uh challengers probably is the one spot where it doesn't fit no this is a is a family game that's designed to be lighthearted and uh move at a brisk pace i think the idea of the other thing I like about watching everybody's round is it is a great way, especially the first game, to see how all of the mechanisms, mechanisms, how the abilities work yeah. and counter off each other. Yeah. So when you have that group and everybody's watching in huddled around one one match, you can kind of see how the cards are being manipulated and how that power works. And... It's something that I think is very helpful for repeat plays to be like, ooh, yeah, yeah, this would maybe pair with that card or that. And you can see how it's almost like every it's almost like every round is like a test kitchen of how how is this recipe gonna work out? And what happens if it doesn't come out in the exact right order? Oh no, man, they're getting crushed because of that. Or ooh, that was powerful regardless. You know, so yep. you get to see how some of those things work out, which I think is is a another added bonus of watching those things play out the matches play out. Um I think the one of the big skills in this game is processing information uh in both in constructing your deck 
and while battling. It, yeah, the so inaction there's, processing there's, there's, is key. There's processing of like, okay, that power goes there, this bench. There's moving some moving components and just kind of like, all right, I got to add five. So there's some mental processing that's happening mm-hmm. through this game. Um, and I think the competition is really good in this one too, which is it's a classic one-on-one duel. But because that randomness of how the cards come out, it's lighthearted, you know? So uh, there's always the in is uh, if I lost or I win, I, I can never really tell if my deck was better or my cards just came out in a better order or my opponent's cards yeah. came out in the better order, which I think is good, which I think is one of the things that maybe those serious gamers don't like is that there's a there's no way to ever well, fully, yeah. fully say it's like, oh, well, Clearly, I had a better deck than you because I crushed you. It's like, no, my or- cards just didn't come out in the right order or whatever. So there's that less of that agency over, like, I dominated. Yeah. But that works for why it works as a competitive game in a family setting because it's hard to be upset when you lose to a funny dinosaur or a <laughs> clown that came out. Or and, an alien. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, the dinosaur came and I lost. You know, yeah. The skill that that I want to highlight is problem solving, and that's a game that rewards players for finding solutions to simple or complex problems. The simple problems are the round around hand management of why did I lose and what do I need to do about it next time. And it could be what what you just pointed out, Doug. The the cards didn't come up in the order that I needed them, or it could be why am I still holding on to my newcomers? I need to yep. get rid of these three newcomers, get them out so that that frees up a new spot on the bench where I can or, put these three twos. Or on the flip side, it's like, why did I get rid of those newcomers? Now I've got a whole bunch of different things and none of them share a bench yeah, space. But once they're gone, they're gone. You, you can't you know, put them back in. So yeah, it, and it, that's that. So the, the, the round-around problem-solving that happens quickly. A game with seven rounds that plays in 45 minutes, there's a lot of action that's happening. The, the One thing I, I want to touch on, too, and you can interrupt and we can circle back, but it's rated a 1.82 on Board Game Geek. And so when I clicked down and looked and I contributed to the poll, uh, you know, I, I couldn't rate it a one because it's more complicated than patty cake, so I rated it as a two. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, you know, 11 people out of 47 total ratings, 11 people did rate it as a one, and 33 people, so 70%, rated it as a two. And then, you know, you got those three board game geek trolls that rated it as a three, probably to counterbalance or whatever reason. But for a game to be below a two, should tell our listeners that. This is something that you should not be intimidated by. You can pick up, even if you've only played two or three I, games, if you're listening to your first podcast, you, you can read this rule book and just start to play it. It's, I think it's really a two. simple. I think I, it's, oh, I do too. I yeah. do too. But what I'm saying, for a game to go under a two, enough people have to rate it a one. Yeah, but and I think so, some of those people are also the people that are... That's a different school of gaming. I'm just making the observation now to let our listeners know. Like when you see... a. a, a a quality game that's getting some buzz and it's under a two, that that's one that 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 is the definition of approachable. I guess is where I'll I'll stop that thought. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think I don't think this is under a two. I think it does require some some learning gamer knowledge. Now that's not to say it's a difficult game, and I yeah. think a lot of those ones are coming from people 
that are disappointed by the randomness and just think it's a, a throwaway type of thing. I don't think that there is because there's a there's stuff that you you have to put together. You got to play it a couple times before everything's going to start clicking in. Once it does, it's a no-brainer, yeah. but it does have a little bit of a, a a learning curve just getting into the system and figuring out how it how it functions. But once you know the system, it's it's super easy. Um, so I th- I think that's uh, a good point. I think that's I mean as far as where I think this fits, I mean I think it fits everywhere. I mean I don't necessarily think this is going to be a it's kind of interesting. I was going to say I don't necessarily think that this fits into a, a classroom, but when you got a game that plays eight players, and I could divide my class up into a, yeah. a class of thirty-two into groups of four, and that the only thing that you're really doing each round is is picking out a couple of cards to add to your deck, a group of four can do that, and yeah. then have some, you know, having a, those battles going on. I well, think could actually be really fun. Yeah, you know, like if you're I do doing too. an after-school program. Don't think that this game is limited to eight players. Like you could have sixteen. Sure, you could do teams and tournaments. You could you could do all of that. the The other thing, this can be an indoor recess game that people don't necessarily have to finish to just have a great time. Yeah, um, you get it out, get it set up, get playing. Maybe you only get through three or four rounds, but you, you had a good time. Yeah, I think it's a it's a real solid game and and one that fits into the the games that we talk about here. Um, that great great weight the art and the theme is is fun like yeah that's just a word that keeps popping into my head it's like sometimes you play games and they're they're intriguing they're um you know thought provoking this one's just fun and the gameplay is too yeah it's fun all around yep um boy i had something but then you got me angry with the board game geek so i I better just (laughs) pause here doug all right. Uh, do, do oh, I need- bold prediction. Bold yes. prediction. Good. I'm glad that I went back to my notes. I'm glad I made a note. My bold prediction is this will get rethemed and reskinned 12 to 15 times. Mm-hmm. There will be a Marvel version. There will be a Harry Potter Challengers. There will be a, a Disney Princess Challenge. No? Don't you think this could be rethemed over I, and over and over? I think it could be. I don't don't know if it's got the legs to Uh, do that. We'll see. 7.4 as of today, it's rated rated (laughs) very highly. So, all right. Well, hopefully you get the idea that we think this game is fun. I love this game. Um, So that is our Game of the Week Challengers from Z-Man Games. So check it out and give it a, uh, a try if you get the chance. Now let's move on to the School of Gaming. The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be discussing starting a game night. Yeah, this one, um, having hosted a game night for almost a decade, it seems like I would be qualified for this, but all I ended up coming up with was a whole bunch of questions you know questions to ask yourself and maybe these are things that people haven't thought about before in starting a game night and you know i think one of the, one of the big things is is it friends or is it family mm. because there's two different types like like my dad growing up 
like their their uh, dinner time menu. Like Monday was meatloaf night. Like sure. every night, every Monday was meatloaf. There was no deviating from that. So the idea of like having a game night for your family and that Wednesday night, yeah. my family sits down to have game night is a game night, which is separate from the idea of every Wednesday night I have my buddies over and we play play games. And both of those are valid game nights, yeah, right? They're just two different game nights. And so I think in my head, my first instinct was going towards, hey, I'm going to have some buddies over and we're going to play games. But then I'm like, yeah, but what about your family and, and yeah. having a regular game night or game day or, you know, afternoon? You know, I know that you have in the past had like Sundays. Sunday yep. after church, we get home and, yep. and, and uh, play a game or whatever. So yep. that's part of it. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go on my my rabbit no, trail. No, keep going. The other thing too is I think when people talk about game night, there's always the assumption that it needs to be weekly, and it's like you decide how regularly you want it to be. Do you want it to be once a week, once a month, every other week, every quarter? Like I'm just gonna have one big game day. Like those are viable as well. It's not always. Well, it's going to be every Tuesday all the time, no matter what, you know, and even ours is flexible depending on Schedules. when when things pop up. It's like, yeah. you know, sometimes it gets canceled. Sometimes it's, um, I feel like I've, I got getting the look from Michael, like this is going in a completely different direction. Um, I'm just listening, Doug, just over here listening, so, listening into the microphone. <laughs> listening to the microphone. Um, I think the other thing to think about is who is the game night for? Yeah. Because there's two uh, two variations of this is depending on how many people you have kind of determines how active you can be as a gamer. So once you start getting above that four and five, you now become as the host, in some regards, a facilitator. Yeah. Because there are not, if, if you stick to, I'm going to have seven people coming to my game night every night. Uh, there are not enough seven-player games. You're going to keep playing them over and over yeah. again if you want everybody in one group. Seven Wonders is the new meatloaf. You know, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you're going to be kind of splitting off. Yeah. And that becomes a completely different environment of a game night. And some people might like that. Some people might not like that. Yeah. So in my notes, I came in with three bullets, time, space, and process. And the one that I think you're you're hitting on right there falls into that that process bucket. It's the number of players because once you get that answered of who are the number of players, how consistent are these players, and whether it's friends or family, but in this situation, let's say we're talking about um, people that are mostly friends, so not my kids, not my spouses, not my, my significant others. Uh, after that player count, is kind of set and that day of the week or or frequency is set some follow-up questions that i have back to you and just to our listeners in general are what's the process for choosing games to play how are they taught and what is the cutoff time for starting a, a new new game meaning mm -hmm. a, a brand new game that nobody in the group has played before and those are just three questions that we have talked about over time, uh, but especially taking this question into 
a school of gaming um, segment that we had recently about changing as a gamer. Yeah. Right. Because people who come to game night, they're they're. It's not just I'm not just saying their preferences as a gamer change, but life change happens. You yeah. Know, you get new jobs. You get new animals. You get new new children. You, you children move off. You know, like all those different things. So. Um, that process bucket, I think, is one where um, I don't know if our group is as process driven and oriented a- as others, or if we are a lot more process mm. uh, driven and oriented than others. Um, so, well, and that's something that's probably changed over the years too, um, based on skills, uh, global likes, pandemic, likes, dislikes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you and you've got, like you said, people move away. It's like. Somebody that's a, a regular at one point may not be a regular later, yeah. and 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 maybe it's like you like I said earlier, it's like maybe you just have something once a month or once a quarter. It's an afternoon, a whole bunch of people come over. Uh, so I think, and, and I've got that too—a system for selecting games, how that works. I think that's unique to every game group. Uh, you don't want people to feel left out, like they're never getting their games played, and and it's like there's some. A lot of groups have acquirers and players, right? So uh, it's great to have, you know, or designers and developers well, and content that too, creators. That too. But I mean, through the years, it's like we've had uh, a handful of people. It's like they don't buy any games, but they show up and play, and will play any game that's on the table. Yeah, you know. So it's like they're like, which oh. is awesome. Yeah, those are the the best. Selfishly, those are the best people to have. You know. Um, they're always welcome back at Doug's table. Exactly. Uh, I think one note that I do have here, which I think is really important, is if you are starting a game group for the first time or a game night, um, and I'm assuming you're going to have a, potentially a mixture of, of gamers, non-gamers. Maybe it's a, a you're hosting a game night with a whole bunch of family members that you know, brothers-in-laws and sisters and things like that, that, you know, maybe they're not all gamers and not familiar with gamers. I think the important thing is make sure that you're picking games that are appropriate to the player's skill level, because there is a, uh, an excitement level of, Oh, I want to play this game. I got Darwin's journey, a Kickstarter. And it's like, that's not going to work. Like, that's you being selfish trying to play a game that you want to play. Don't treat new gamers like that as pawns because they're not going to come back. Yeah, I would say almost always uh, where I've been unbelievably pleasantly surprised in, in my own family, there's a little group that I had no idea that they had mastered the rules to the level that they had for some fairly complex games. And it was very refreshing to just show up and, and play so I think I would add that into the process of just asking, how familiar are you with this game? And um, it, because that's where I've I've been surprised with people in my own family. I would say you know ninety eight percent of the time, yeah, do not get that that game out that's going to be long and you? heavy. But if the game was given to somebody as a gift, and if they're they're really smart people, and if they've and by really smart people, I mean is if they have studied that rule book like they're preparing for an exam. Um, so I think that that it's a great point. I would just add on to that point, asking a question about familiarity. Just a simple one line question will tell you everything you need to know about their comfort level with it. 
Well, or just games in general. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be a specific game. I mean, I think you can luck out and and it can work, but if the if if the wrong people play the wrong game because it's too heavy for them, you're gonna have a really hard time getting them back. Finding out that they like games is great. Yeah. And you may and if you found out beforehand and you brought a heavier game because you knew that. That's what I'm talking about is reading the group for your skill level. Sure. If you show up and and you're like, hey, guys, come on over, and the extent of gaming that, that family members are is, is Uno and Monopoly, you're like, oh, designer games are great. Those those people aren't coming back Uno, again. Uno, Monopoly, Dead Reckoning, Twilight Period, <laughs> yeah, fourth yeah. edition. I run the gamut. <laughs> yep. You know, so I think that's... Uh, I, I guess what I'm talking about is coming in blind. Yeah. To a thing and just like trying to is is putting your own wants ahead of what's actually best for the group at the time. Sure. Now, if the group, you know, and like I said, it can work out sometimes, but um, the thing I've seen happen more regularly is gamers get excited about games and bring stuff that's not suitable yeah. for the 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 group. And I have seen people that are like, eh, I'm not coming back again. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's happened, huh? Uh, not that has not happened to me directly. Okay, it's more of the the thing that I've run into that is from with the new gamer enthusiasm and bringing a whole stack of games, and then when that game is there, I'm like, we're not playing yeah. this. I'm an idiot. Yeah, but I've heard stories of people. Like, I just need people to play this game I'm really excited about. And then they bring people over, and it's like, dude, these are not the people to be playing that game with. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a whole bunch of disappointed people that aren't going to want to come back to game night. Yeah, the one experience that that I had that was a little bit different, but where I was afraid of that, Wingspan was too heavy for my brother-in-law. I thought that I'd scared him away from the table. And then three months later, show up, and he's teaching me Root at a level of detail <laughs> and and it, it was like I was sitting in a lecture. I mean, he was so succinct at just teaching it. And then we we played and then the next day he's saying I'm explaining to him what board game conventions are and he wants to go with. So sometimes <laughs> it that 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 term that you use that new gamer enthusiasm, it's really um, trying to find out where the person is and how prepared they are to play. That yeah. that level of preparation. If somebody just sitting down to because they want to relax, or are they looking at three and four hundred titles and they want to know how every single one of them works? Yeah. I think that's really important if you're starting a game night, just knowing where somebody is at at their level and ability and comfort. Yeah. And avoid greasy foods. Well, we've talked about that before. <laughs> yeah. Um it's a big thing for you. Me, I, I don't really care. I just okay. know that I can't trade a game after my seven year old has put hands on it. <laughs> um, but that's a real thing. Right? I'll bring you, some fried chicken you over. You don't do you don't do Buffalo Wild Wings at your game night, huh? No. No. no, no is that no something brisket? you're on you're on <laughs> no. you're on board for? No. Um okay, now the truth comes out. It's like well, I don't want brisket juice on my games either. Um so hopefully those are some ideas if you're thinking about starting a game night, some ideas on where to start and things to think about that maybe uh, as a new game night hoster you have not thought about. Anything else you want to add to that, Michael? I have a long list of questions, but I'll save it up for follow follow up at a later time, Doug. Just good <laughs> stuff here in the oh, school wet, the appetite. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to our high five for this week. 
if you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. This week, we're going to revisit a list uh, that we did in the past, which is bang for your buck games. Um, Value. Did you have any criteria for this, Michael? Yeah, as I started putting the list together, um, I wanted to include different types of games Mm. because I had... I'll stop there. Otherwise, (laughs) I'm going to... I mean, I had a tough time cutting it to 10. I have five on my honorable mention that I think are mentioning to our listeners because they are such a good value and especially just some of the conversations that have happened on our Discord channel lately. So yeah, that I, I have some criteria, but it's looser than normal. How about you? Uh, well, four of my games out of the five happen to be games that we have talked about in the past. Um, just be- and, and it came down to the idea of like how much game I think is in the box for yep. the price. And as as board games have become you know more expensive and Kickstarters are going crazy with extras and minis and the whole idea of like, geez, you can't get into this hobby for under a hundred bucks. Like I wanted to challenge that and be like, these are really great games. Yeah. Um, did you do the list the last time? Were you on that one or not? I don't. I think so because it was right around episode 50. So I think I was in the house for that, but I didn't go back and listen. I wanted yeah. to do this fresh. So hopefully it's not the same five games. So I've got um, I, my my honorable mentions. The ones that I have are uh, ones from the first time around. Okay. So I'll mention those at the end of the game Great. because they're all ones where I was like, ooh, I'd love to put that on the list again. So uh, those are, are good games that are still... Still bang for your buck. So awesome. Yeah. Three out of my five are our games of the week. All right. What do you got? Number five. Yeah, Michael? Number five for me was our episode 55 game of the week. And that's happy city uh, designed by Toshiki Sato and Aru Sato. Happy city right now today. Uh, listeners of the podcast is $11 at noble night. And I, 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 it's popped in my Amazon feed more than once for $10. This, this is a game where, you are building a little happy city, and the number of people and the number of happiness multiplied at the end gives the winning score. Cute cards that you're buying at the marketplace, um, you're, you're scoring out, getting a little bit of income to build a nice little engine to get better cards and more income and more happiness. Um, just a lot of game in the box, and then there are uh, there there's an advanced version to play as well. Um, the marketplace has three different buying areas where you can buy from, and so the game ramps up. This little, you know, twenty-minute game. Um, there, there's so much happening in it, and uh, plays up to five players. It's one we've talked about a lot. It's one I continue to talk about a lot. Continue to play with my kids. Play at board game club. To me, that is such a good value. I it it could easily be at one, but. Um, I'm not hearing a whole lot about it. You know, it was a 2021 release. Yeah. It's kind of come and gone. It published by Game Right. Uh, so that's number five for me. Yeah, great game. That was on uh, my list last time. So it was, my okay. Honorable mention. Anything to add into that, or did I do uh, cover most of that in my No, I, and I think the one of the cool things about that game is it does have some extra, like, special power buildings yeah. that you can add in. So uh, there is variety in there. So there's a, a lot of game in there for... For a tiny box. And you can play it with, I've played it with my seven-year-old. I mean, yeah, very, very no easily. So, yep. yep. All right. My number five is the only one that wasn't a, a recommended or game of the week in the past. And that is Colorbrain Disney. 
edition. And I kind of looked online and and kind of having a, a conglomerate of pricing. This is as of the time of recording, but this game can be had for about $13. And in Colorbrain Disney, it was published in 2019 by Big Potato Games. Designer is Tristan Williams. Uh, the The card would say, what are the colors on Woody from Toy Story's vest? And it's two colors. Everybody has a hand of color cards, and you are going to to play out the ones that you think it is. And for such a simple game, I mean, I, I like Disney. I like that type of stuff. But most kids are watching Disney movies, and it's a yep. game where the kids are are just as competitive. Whereas, like, there's newer movies, some of the Pixar ones, like, I don't know what color Moana's dress is or whatever. And so they're, they're beating me. And then something <laughs> like Peter Pan comes out, and it's like, how do you not know that color? You know, how do you not know the feather is red in his his hat or it's whatever? It's green, Doug. It's green. His hat is green. The feather is red. Well, to me, it looks green. <laughs> I know. Yeah, don't play this with <laughs> That's the color. How you don't know. Colorblind <laughs> person. Um, so, I and for thirteen dollars, I the amount. This is one of the things that's really based on family. The amount of value that my family has gotten out of this game. For thirteen well, dollars is insane. That matters. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's where I had a happy city at five, and it had to be on the list. Yeah, thirteen dollars, and you've played that a ton. Huh? Yeah, and I that, don't track my plays, but it's above. Yeah, but you can't get ice cream at Culver's for thirteen dollars. You and me can't go out and get ice cream at Culver's right now after the podcast for thirteen dollars. That's yeah. awesome. All right, okay, so give, give me the full name of that again. It is Color Brain Disney Edition. Okay, great. Thanks, Doug. Number four for me is a game I haven't actually played yet, but it is a game that I've heard so much on the Family Gamers podcast. It made their best of list. I think it was even uh, got a perfect rating from them. And this is a game that I've had on my next to playlist. I fully intend to play with Doug at an upcoming game day here next month, and that is Pan Am. 2020 release, Prospero Hall and Funko Games. It's $25 brand new. And I often see this on the secondary market for $10, $15. And I think that's just because it's $25 brand new. Uh, It was at Target for a long time. I still see it in a lot of places. But when I opened up the box, I got this game in a trade. And when I opened it up, just thought, how how is this a twenty twenty five dollar game? When you look at, um, it's got these nice little trays that the airplanes sit in. The cards are beautiful. The art is just a gorgeous board. Everything is laid out wonderfully for the eye to see, and it has that nineteen fifties um, catch me if you can. I'm gonna fly on Pan Am vibe. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to play this. And I thought, well, how can you put a game on the list I haven't played? There, there's a lot of games in my collection I haven't played yet for value. This game's in my top five as of today. So unless I'm, it's garbage, yeah, unless it's hot garbage, then it will get traded for twelve dollars. No, but it, it, I, I'm that confident because of how highly the family gamers rated it. So well, and I think a, a secondary lot of, review there. A lot of those Funko games are so mass produced that the prices are really good. Yeah, um, and I, I think I've, if I'm being honest, I probably have a fifty-fifty rating on Funko games. That there are, are ones where I'm like, amazing value. I can't believe it's this cheap. And then I have some that are just stinkers. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying anything about Pan Am, but it, I, I do think that because of such a wide distribution, that those games are showing up in Targets and Walmarts and Amazon and all those type of things, that they're 
uh, being produced on a scale that is completely different than the local game store. Sure. That is is where some of those great deals come from. And when Target has a game for 25 and you're, you know, it's on sale for 15 or yeah. or 19, it's not out of the realm of possibility to get some of those games really good pricing. Well, and the Prospero Hall carries a, a lot of weight for me yeah. with, with Villainous and Back to the Future and uh, Horrified. I mean, those yeah. are all games that we've reviewed. So I'm looking forward to playing that. And I, I hope it stays in that high value. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My number four is Outfoxed. Uh, this is currently running for about $18 right now. Um, we talked about this in episode 64. The is published in 2014. Uh, by GameRight, uh, designers Shannon Lyon, Marissa Pena, and Colt Tipton-Johnson. GameRight, this is kind of a a little bit of a placeholder um, because GameRight and Blue Orange, I kind of tend to lump those in the the same category, but those companies have just great pricing for, you know, if you're looking for entry-level family games, those two publishers are a great place to start. Outfoxed is a is a cooperative game in which you're rolling dice, trying to uh, keep the the fox from escaping before you figure out who the actual culprit that stole the hat, or I don't know what he stole actually, but um, pie, something he yeah. stole something. Right. He's a dastardly villain, uh, and you need to try and figure out what which fox it is, and and you're rolling dice to to move around the board and pick up clues. So it's got a little bit of a deduction element, and like I said, it's cooperative. There's ways to adjust the difficulty. Uh, another game that that my kids have really enjoyed um, playing, and and just a wonderful conversational tone throughout that game. It, you know, you mentioned cooperative, but what's different from Outfox to other cooperatives? It's well, there's a, a we. What should we do here? How should we approach this? It's not, well, I really think you should do this, or I want to do that. And I yeah. love the conversations that happen with that one. Yep. That's a good one. So that's my number four, Outfoxed. Great. Number three for me is Silver and Gold, episode 29, Game of the Week. It's $10 at Noble Knight right now, or Amazon, if you would prefer to go to the the big uh, Amazon. It might come dented and, and sat on, but 2019 release. <laughs> Uh, I think it's Pandasaurus. I should look that up, but I didn't link to it from here. In in Silver and Gold, you are flipping cards out that have Tetris-style shape, a polyomino, and then you are drawing in that shape on one of your cards, trying to complete it. Uh, And if, if, if you don't have that, then you can just cross off one of any box on any of your cards. And you're trying to Fill up your cards, and you get points at the end of four rounds. And it's a, it's a wonderful game. I've talked about this a lot on a lot of different shows. The reason why it is on my list is just because I don't know of a better game for $10 right now. And mm-hmm. I, I looked, I talked about that loose criteria. I looked at, at, a, at a $20 price point, a $10 price point. Boy, for $10 to have silver and gold. And the unanimous appeal that it has in my family and also in my game group, people that I play games with often, nobody's tired of this game. Mm. None of my kids, my wife. um, And so that's where it's in the top three on my list, silver and gold. All right. Great game there. Uh, The the top three of this is our... For some of our our listeners may seem like lip service because they're games that we've talked about quite a bit, but... 
I feel like the value of them is so good. We got to talk about them again. That I got to talk about them. Number three, and I started my list by kind of looking through websites to see what was out there. And this one completely floored me that this is the going price for a brand new copy of this game. Not as much as my number one, but quite a bit. And that is code names. Oh. We talked about this in episode 26, but right now you can get code names for $12. Yeah. Brand new. The MSRP on this game is $25. And when it came out in 2015, this was hotness as hotness could be. Um, by Czech Games Edition, the designer Vlada Shavado is just an amazing game of uh, a, a team game. Some people, it's like a hybrid strategy party game. You can play it however you want, you know? So if yeah. you want it to be a, a laugh out loud, funny party game, it can go that way. If you want to have dead serious people pondering uh, the board, uh, it works in that that way too. In, in code names, you uh, are spies, and and one person is a clue giver for each team, and he's giving you a a word and then a number. The word applies to the cards, and the number is how many cards that applies to. And you are trying to flip over your cards. Um, there's a, a the two spies for each team get to look at the the card that lays out where your team's cards are and you're trying to flip all yours over before the other team and there's one poison pill card in there that if you flip that one over the the black spy you automatically lose so you're trying to trying to stay away from there it's a it's an interesting word game they've got a whole bunch of different varieties of of themings and uh stuff like that but the original one is 12 dollars right now that's great um that's a lot of game yeah which just floors me. You know, you think about the number of the amount of hotness and the way people get in a frenzy about these games and uh the first printing sells out and and everybody's paying forty dollars for for a twenty five dollar game and now but you know seven co- years later, eight years later yeah. it's it's everywhere. Half. Yeah. I, I saw it at a hobby store, like either Hobby Lobby or Michael's. I was somewhere yeah. I was like code names? It, it might have been a hardware store. It was someplace where I didn't think I would see code yeah. names. Can I just throw a few stats out to to sure. bolster your point? Two to eight players, fifteen minutes, weight of one point two seven. Almost eighty five thousand people have rated this game on Board Game Geek, and it is a seven point six, which yeah. is high when yeah. you have that many ratings. So, and what is it just, on the party just listing? Just a great game. Say that again. What's a what's its ranking on the party listing? Oh, three. Oh, yeah. and one hundred twenty overall. Yeah. So one hundred twenty of. All games ever made. Of all time. Yeah, top three so. party. Yeah, no, that's that's a great one. So that's my number three, Code Names, episode 26. We go in great detail about that's that one. Excellent. I this next one's probably a cheat. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm like, why did I put this on the list? But I know why I did. It's a Spiel de Jars winner. It's a game of the week in episode 54, and it is $35, and that's actually five dollars more than it's ever been, or than than usual, and that's Cascadia. Cascadia um, is designed by Randy Flynn, art by Beth Sobel, publisher, Flat Out Games. Admittedly, folks, I don't love this game as much as people that I play it with, but man, the joy and excitement that um, different friends and family have when playing Cascadia and you get a game that has been recognized as the game of the year, you don't have to go out and spend $350 for $35 there's so much variety in that game. 
So the reason why I had this on my list is almost like one of those family family game night Hall of Fame games. If you had five or six games, you know, we've talked about wingspan in the past and some of those. Those games right now are typically twice this. Everdell, wingspan, those are trending at $70. So when I looked at, okay, what would be a, a, a family game, Hall of Fame game that 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 would be reasonable um cascadia i think bang for your buck is up there and i know 35 dollars is higher than 10 it's even higher than 20 but man there's a lot of game in that and i didn't even really describe the game in cascadia um you're making a decision where you're going to draft a tile and an animal and then you have to place a tile and the animal and there's all sorts of different scoring conditions that um chain off of that the game starts out, everything feels open, and I have so many choices. And by about the third or fourth turn, there you, the grimacing at the table. <laughs> oh, well, I just... Uh, so, um, it, game of the year. You know, I've said a lot about it, and uh, that's my number two on the list, Cascadia. All right. Good one there. Uh, great game. Uh, my number two is one we talked about way back in episode one. <laughs> oh, I can guess that one. Uh, Marvel United is running between thirteen and twenty dollars, and uh, it was published in two thousand twenty uh, by Simon and Spin Master, Andreas Shervicio and Eric Lang are the designers, um, and and even the 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 Marvel United X Men um, is still a good value. You can get the the base game with some expansions for like thirty five dollars. All, all around this game, for what is in the box, you're getting, you know, eight to ten awesome little miniatures to play the game. There's three or four, three villains in the base box that all play completely different. Heroes that play different, and the heroes play different with different villains and locations, and and all these different little pieces that add variety to the game in a way that doesn't take away from the gameplay. It's not variety for variety's sake. It it really works and stands on its own. And I know shortly after this came out, you know, there was I mean and this is holding steady at this price for a while that this game it really is, has been right around that $13, $14 mark, huh? Yeah. That's it, well and definitely under twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean when it originally came out, maybe it was a $39.99, $29.99 MSRP. But I wow. think it was like $18 on Noble Knight when I looked. It's as low as 13 on Amazon. Uh, so it's around. I'm sure it's on the secondary market. You don't have to get all of the Kickstarter stuff right. to get involved in this game. It's a, a great, approachable, cooperative game. And if you have uh, people in your f- uh, family or friends that are uh, in love with the Marvel Universe... Uh, You'll love that game. Yeah, it's a great, great starting point. That's a great poll, Doug. So that, that wasn't on your list the first time around, no, huh? No, no. Good. So that's my number two, Marvel United. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, my number one, it's a little bit of recency bias, but that's a deck of cards. I it, it, <laughs> I, I first played Nerds on April 30th. I've played 18 games of it. And, um, you know, in terms of, I was thinking about today, all the different card games, war, speed, euchre, spades, hearts, sheep's head, poker in between 31, 13, um, all the different cards games, you know, poo poo on your neighbor and and you could just keep going. Uh, 
dollar for dollar, a dollar ninety nine deck of cards, bicycle cards. Uh, it's incredible value. There's so many games that that can come out of that and do come out of that night. I I just have a lot of fond memories of sitting around and, and playing, and I enjoy learning new card games as well. Um, you've talked about a game that that your family has played called Quincy. I, I want to play it. You know, <laughs> Shanghai Rummy and different types of Rummy and and Rummy Five Hundred. So, to me, that is still the the best value um, is a deck of cards. So no, that's awesome. I I I never would have never even crossed my mind like that that idea but it's 100 percent spot on well i think we're, i'm also going to need you to explain every card game that you've ever played with a deck of cards well, just as a general oh, rule sure. as an <laughs> no the the other piece though when we play this game nerds we each have our own deck so uh my wife and my daughter have very nice there it's enigma it's this <laughs> deck that i got off kickstarter a while back for my wife so we'd have nice cards and i've got this crummy little bicycle deck that my seven-year-old has put watermelon juice all over because she's played cards with dolls and I'm stuck with with my deck. So it was one of those things where I was thinking about still at the end of the day, a 52-card deck with two jokers in. That That is... Uh, yeah. All right, cool. And don't give me too much credit. There's that That's in a lot of different circles out there, but that's one that... Um, Man, I, and I, t- I, I keep one in my backpack. I keep one in my car. So some of it is walk in the walk. I yeah. usually have keep one in my wallet no, just in case. No. Micah stands a wallet. I have back problems because <laughs> of it. Um, all right. My number one is the first thing I thought about when we decided we were going to redo this list. And it is one every time I see it in a store for the price that I'm going to tell you, I feel like a cartoon character that's about to hit get hit with a sledgehammer where their eyes pop out like yep. 10 feet. And that is Raccoon Tycoon. We talked about this in episode I 40. I love that game. Target, Walmart, Amazon, $23 for this game right now. How? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> it boggles my mind. If you want to talk about... You know, on the the gamer world, you know, Michael talked about the, a deck of cards and how many games you can pull out of it. Like, if you want a full game experience of like, I am playing a hobby game, yeah, Raccoon Tycoon for twenty three dollars is and, insanity. And the the retail version is really good. Like, I like the cardboard bits in it. I, yeah, I, I love the retail version of it. That's yes. the version I have, and I, I love it. Yeah, I don't think that there's. That's what I have. I don't have the. Anything fancy. So it's like, I don't know what they did, but published in 2018 by Forbidden Games. It is, excuse me, a designer is Glenn Drover. Um, it is a fantastic little uh, supply and demand yeah. economic game that is approachable on a on a family level. So if you ever wanted to get into the the supply and demand of, oh, these are really valuable. I better sell them now while they're valuable. And then they're not going to be as valuable when Michael needs to unload his. I feel like this is a great game that puts kind of... Entry-level stock market game. Yeah, yeah. Com- kind of complex ideas into a game in a, a way that a family can handle them. Like a family I could, that plays board games, right? I yeah. think my dad could pick up on this game. Yeah, yeah, I think you need to give your dad more credit. That guy could be a Crokinole champion. He he's 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 pretty good at games. I don't know about no, he's not. Uh, he's he's dexterity wise, he's amazing. Uh, but he's a woodworker, so yeah. those go hand in hand. But I think there's a great uh, entry level game. Give me that for, price again. 
$23. I feel like I need to buy five of them just to gift them to people. I know. It's nuts. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, so we talked about it in great deal detail in episode 40. Uh, and that is Raccoon Tycoon. Amazing deal. Rush that, out and get it right now. That makes my Cascadia look shameful at 35 A little bit. A little <laughs> yeah, bit. That's why you were just holding on like, oh, I'm going to. Um, as far as some it. honorable mentions, last time I mentioned The Crew um, is a cooperative yep. trick-taking game. Summer Camp. Phil Walker Harding, a great deck building game. And the last two of them were on my list. I, I still hold up and I would put on this list again in a heartbeat is Pandemic Hot Zone, which is a faster, smaller version of Pandemic. I haven't played that one yet. And Ticket to Ride New York, which yeah. is a, a compact um, version of Ticket to Ride that gives you all of the same feels in a fraction of the time. And I think almost all of those are under the $20 range. Yeah. Still. And I've got a handful here in my honorable mention. First one is Similo, mm, which yep. we have talked about at length and was also in episode 53 as our game of the week. Another one is Golden Ticket, which is by Buffalo Games, uh, same folks that published Summer Camp that Doug just talked about. And we also talked about Golden Ticket in the game of the week, but I don't have that right in front of my eyes. And then the Welcome to uh, universe mm. is yep. is one that I often see for twelve ninety nine, thirteen dollars, little flip and right. Uh, and when I saw that pop up on our Discord this week, I thought, man, I need to play that with with my ten year old kiddo again because she really enjoys that. Um, so those were my honorable mention. I also had Outfox on there, which you had in your list, and another one which people could disagree, but Seven Wonders Architects. I've noticed for right around $29.99 to $34.99 when it goes on sale. And that's one that I have on my want to acquire list. Boy, that's nominated for Spiel des Jahres and the amount of game that you get in there and the production quality. Um, so I had that one in Cascadia. I was mm. flopping in and out for that two spot. So you're either two or your honorable mention when you only get five. But all right, <laughs> all right. Now we talked about Golden Ticket in episode 61. For those of you that want to get into a time machine and go listen to that, um, so that is uh, going to do it for us this week. That's our high five bang for your buck games. Want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Please do that; it helps us out a lot. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU. Uh, next week, the only thing I can confirm is that we'll be talking about Long Shot the Dice Game. The other segments are to be determined. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Lastly, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We truly appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming. Keep gaming.